for millions of us, the idea of going to work is now very different than it was a year ago. How we work and where we work are changing fast with remote working now mainstream, technology is advancing rapidly, and we have a growing focus on health and well-being. And we're not just talking about office workers able to work from home. We're talking about warehouses, construction sites, what people expect from their workplaces and their employers is evolving. And that has big implications for every company's leaders and managers. Today, we're going to be discussing what good leadership looks like in the new world of work. I'm Sue Asprey-Price, and I've been advising companies on how to adapt to changing work environments for over 20 years. I'm joined by Rosie Campbell, Professor of Politics and Director of the Global Institute for Women's Leadership at King's College London, and Gia Adami from Workplace Solutions Team at Facebook. Hello, and welcome to you both. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having us. Lovely to be here. So let's start with the idea of leadership. And Rosie, I'm going to come to you first. Every successful company needs strong leaders. What do we traditionally mean by that? Strong um, symbolizes, it's got a masculine view of leadership, the idea of the kind of strong man at the top who can get things done, who is absolutely resilient and focused and driven and possibly quite individualistic and ruthless. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think that's what we're really seeing change, isn't it? And and Gia, you've, you've worked across a number of geographies and you've seen different leadership styles. How do your senior colleagues influence your outlook and, and your professional development? Coming over from the U.S. to EMEA has been um, quite different in leadership styles. What I found that the leaders a bit more, and this is my personal experience here in Ireland, um, they show great care and um, building a sense of community. Both of us have had that journey, Gia. Mine was a little bit ahead of yours. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, I agree with some of what both of you said now, where Rosie, I came from a world at the start of my career where strong leadership was this kind of male dominance. And I've had a tremendous experience um, exactly of you as you have, Gia, in coming over to Europe, where actually the perspective is different. And I've seen it evolve over the years where having a more caring approach to people and, and humanizing leadership has been a, a real change that we've seen. I would say that during this pandemic, we've had totally different environments, right? We've all been on hours of Zoom calls and I know I'm a real people person. I really miss the face-to-face conversations. We've all been juggling, or I have been, homeschooling as well, which has been interesting. And of course, um, a number of us have had family members or been ill ourselves during this crazy time. So we've really needed flexible working hours, understanding managers more than ever before. Do you think that that's creating a new skill set, a new leadership style? I do. I think that the leadership style has been forced to change. And that's probably one of the best things that's come out of uh, the pandemic is that genuine care and show of empathy, I think has definitely increased throughout this pandemic, which creates a very different work dynamic. Rosie, We've been here before. We've had crises before. We've had the financial crises. We've had other times when we know that, um, in particular, to Gia's point, empathetic leaders um, are are recognized as being kind of a, a new approach. Well, you're absolutely right that we have been here before. But I think also what we are in the middle of, but it's such, for us feels relatively long term, although in terms of human history, it's very, very brief, 
is a massive amount of social change. I mean, many, many of you will have watched that wonderful film, Hidden Figures, about the amazing African-American women in the early um, processes of um, the computer um, and IT industry. And if we think about how, how quickly we've gone from a really very, very toxic leadership style in many organisations to one where it's so much more inclusive, there is always a danger of slipping backwards. But I think actually a recognition that you need to have open um, work environments where people can grow and can bring problems and solutions in a healthy way and support and encourage each other is something that I would expect to, to grow going forward out of this. You know, let's dig into a little bit of what do we mean around some of these skills that leaders actually need? We're, we're now starting to see the emerging concept of new workplaces. And although not many of us are back in a work environment yet, we do know that most organizations, um, including those like Facebook, are looking at what we're referring to as the hybrid work model, where some people will be working remotely, others will be in the office. Managing those type of environments is going to be really different. And one thing that we do know is that micromanaging or pushing a culture of presenteeism isn't going to cut it, whether it be because of employee choice or because, frankly, teams are just not productive and working in that way. So when we talk about leadership skills, what do you think we mean by that? Not just at C-suite, but all leaders across businesses. That's something that will definitely be tested compared to the old way of working where um, presenteeism is important, right? So when I come into the office and I see you there, I assume you're working. So if I see you from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., oh, you're putting in 12 hours a day, even though a portion of that day could have been spent online shopping. Um, but now you have to build this trust in your team, which is something I think the pandemic has shown with us all working from home, that they are doing their job. There will definitely have to be a shift in management styles, but I don't think it's something that's insurmountable. We were already on this direction. It's just accelerated. And I think it'll, be, it'll create a better sense of community amongst the team when you have that trust, transparency, flexibility, and empathy. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Gia. Through this pandemic, we've recognized that certain functions that we do in our day-to-day -day work lives are better done in a remote environment. They're better done at home. And this whole concept of a hybrid model of people individualizing and recognizing that they are more productive within certain environments is pretty exciting. I think there is a real danger going forward that it's wonderful to have this potential flexibility but will there be a pressure for online presenteeism, that, that the sense that you must always be available online? And in fact, yes, we're flexible that you can take a bit of time off to pick the kids up from school, but you better be back on again at 10 o'clock tonight, which might make it difficult, more difficult for people. So I do think that leaders, strong leaders, going to stop need to stop and think about what are the opportunities and what are the risks? And what do we want the expectations of our workforce to be? And that burnout and excessive overwork are not things that are productive and that instead of strong leaders will focus on output. What have you delivered? And I will say it's going to take some leaders to be brave to move to that model of true trust and as you say really focusing on outputs rather than time online, time in the office. You've got to be really careful around creating stigmas. Um, that's, that's interesting in itself because um, you know what we have seen during the pandemic is that open, relatable, empathetic leaders, I think the reality is, is that females are really 
somewhat known as being more empathetic leaders. Is there a danger that we're labeling skills as female or male? Um, is this something that we do need to acknowledge in the new world of work? Just because of the way that we have been socialized over the, the years for women to have been encouraged to be collaborative rather than individualistic, there is a tendency for women to operate more in that way. But there are still men who operate in that way too. And so actually adapting our leadership styles to be more collaborative, more empathetic is good for everyone. And it, it would be a terrible shame if this became stereotyped as just being about men and women. Yeah, I agree. And, and Gia, do you see that uh, as somebody who's a, a future leader in our entire industry? Do you see that, you know, the, the adoption of this, do you see risks along the way where we're kind of labeling people and their leadership styles? Certain adjectives or as well as like female or male in terms of leadership skills. I think that um, a rose by any other name is still a rose. Where we are in the world is we should be moving away from labels where a woman, if she's assertive in a meeting, um, then she's labeled as difficult. And I've had that adjective used about me before. So I want to do away with just that thinking. And I think as more and more in the newer generations, uh, Gen Z and everyone else comes into the workforce, hopefully we will see the end of that type of labeling um, is my genuine hope. We've all lived through those challenging meetings where we've made our opinion known and to your point been labeled as difficult. Um, so I'm hoping that we are moving into a, a new generation where we recognize people's strengths. And I guess that's the whole concept of diverse thought. Rosie, one of the things that we have seen is that the pandemic, again, whenever we're faced with a crisis, we always have disproportionate responses. And one of the things that we have seen with the pressure of homeschooling and childcare is unfortunately there's been more women quitting their jobs to pick up that childcare challenge. Childcare and care more generally is core infrastructure of our societies and that successful workplaces and employers need to be able to lean on that infrastructure just as they need to lean on the transport infrastructure. And rather than thinking of it as a nice to have, it's actually essential for a modern functioning economy. There are some real risks, too, that we're going to lose women from the workforce if we don't really think hard about how we're going to bring them back in. Of course, the drive to ensure female leadership and more women coming back into the, the workforce and becoming female leaders is part of a wider effort to build more inclusive workplaces where people can feel part of that community and be their best regardless of their gender, age, physical ability or background. I had a, a bit of a sad moment last week when I heard from one of our talented female leaders who has a seven-year-old daughter. And she told the story of when she was young, her mother told her as a black female that she would need to work twice as hard than anyone else to achieve her ambitions. And this woman said that she felt she still needed to say that to her seven-year-old daughter today which really, really saddened me. What else do we need to do to create more diversity and inclusive workplaces that are, are more equal? I have um, two mixed race daughters. And I suppose um, one of the things that I think about in this work is that I don't want them to have to hear that. Um, so I find that particularly um, saddening. And, and I, what do we have to do to fix it? Well, I, I think having these conversations is part of it. And it's about completely transforming um, how we, you know, what we imagine when we think of a leader. And I, I think this is where role models are so important. 
seeing women in these roles is so important. And I think one of the things that's really struck me right in the middle of the pandemic, where perhaps some organisations might have thought that equality and inclusion are not their most important priority, Zurich Bank published that it has now made um, flexible and part-time work available at every level, and they've seen a 30% increase of women um, into leadership positions. And I found that really inspiring because once we move into a situation where we treat everyone as as whole humans with connections to others, um, and we have different kinds of people in leadership, then we really will see transformation. And we might need some quite radical action to get there fast enough for the seven-year-old today. My mother had the exact same conversation with me as a little girl. You're going to have to, you know, run faster, jump higher, push harder than your counterparts because there's intersectionality of being black and being a woman. So you, you're going to have to do a lot more than anyone else. But I've had some really great frank conversations with my leaders about that now that diversity and inclusion is becoming so large and we've had some really great breakouts at work and really explaining diversity and inclusion and explaining that intersectionality that I experience, um, sharing some of my experiences inside the workforce, outside the workforce has really opened their eyes a bit and now they've become great allies. Um, so what I am hoping is, is that now that there is awareness, diversity and inclusion will be at the top of mind. We're making sure that not only is the talent pool diverse, but the people that they see on the calls that are interviewing them are diverse. And we're putting our best bet forward and showing representation. You know, the concept of diversity and inclusion, and we're more and more using the B word as well of belonging and ensuring that you feel that there's an environment that you have a sense of belonging to me is one of the most powerful outcomes that we could focus on moving away from just, you know, statistics or references around diversity and inclusion and really creating that sense of belonging, I think is is really critical. So, you know, we're, we're entering this new world of work. We have um, leadership traits that we know have done very well to help people through the crisis. We recognize that we have a amazing opportunity to drive change, but to drive a cultural shift across an entire business is gonna take longer. What is it that you think that the C-suite really needs to focus on? The first thing is to have senior leadership demonstrating that they have a work-life balance and that these issues are important and that the way you get on in an organization isn't to sacrifice absolutely everything else. But then also taking a systematic business approach to these issues is the only way of really ensuring you deliver in the long term. Gia made the important point about visibility. Um, and we can't we can't rely on just visibility and eyeballing who's here. We need systematic evidence and you, we need to review who gets promoted, who gets recruited, who is leaving. And that needs to be a continuous process. We're at a point right now where company strategy is going to be pinned to certain things, which we haven't seen it before, whether that be diversity and inclusion and belonging, whether that be sustainability. This is a time that I do think we have an opportunity to shift company strategies. And Gia, I'd love to hear your perspective, not only on what does the C-suite need to think about, but some of our future leaders. Speaking up is going to be something that you'll see from this younger generation and from the young leaders today is having that voice, being confident in your voice, 
um, and mentoring. I think mentorship is the biggest thing. And not only do you get something out of mentoring um, others, but you get something out of being someone else's mentee. Uh, and I think that's what will drive real shift and real change into the workforce. I feel really lucky to work with you, Jay, as well, because you reverse mentor me, that voice of coming through and recognizing that senior leaders in any industry can drive change, but they need to listen to that voice as well is really, really critical because I think to your point, mentoring is extremely important, but what we can't be doing is handing down what we think is a style of leadership that everybody should adopt. Right. So I'm going to put you both on the spot. We know that the theme of International Women's Day is choose to challenge. I'm going to ask you both to either tell me something that you plan to challenge in the year ahead, or you would encourage others to challenge as we continue to navigate the new world of work. Rosie, I'm going to come to you first. I've always done this, but I'm just going to do it much, much more. When I come across leaders or individuals who really... Um, valorize over work I'm just going to take them down and I'm going to do it publicly and I'm going to do it over and over and over again to try and create an environment where actually we recognize well-being as being important and recognize that tired overworked people don't make good decisions and they're not productive and I'm going to be extremely vocal about it and Gia I absolutely love what Rosie just said that's so inspiring <laughs> <laughs> change my challenge yes I love that um my challenge is, I believe, is twofold. Um, like I said, work life and balance is very important to me. And Sue, so, you know, I kind of gave myself a personal challenge. I do no meetings on Fridays. I use Fridays as my day, as my day to catch up on calls, as my day to kind of work my way into the weekend. So that is one challenge. But another challenge is really calling people out. I think that's something, there's power in that and not being afraid to use your voice and stand up. So whether that is calling people out in terms of bias, burning people out and overworking people, I, I love that challenge that runs with that theme of speaking up. So I'm actually going to still a little bit of Rosie's challenge as well and mesh it in with mine. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I think both of you have touched on exactly what I would say is my challenge of the year ahead is as well. I have the privilege of, of sitting on our UK board and being able to drive and influence change. And I think what I see is an appetite for businesses to adopt and drive change. So my challenge to myself is that we do move forward. To Rosie's point, recognize the risks that we could move backwards, but that we really push ourselves to move forward. And Gia, to your point, be brave about it. Make sure that we recognize that during this really challenging pandemic, there's been one opportunity that's come out of it that we can drive change. And my goodness, if we don't grab hold of that and move forward, shame on us. Wow, you guys have both been incredibly inspiring. It's been a fascinating discussion, really about what we need from leaders in the new world. And to continue our spirit of openness and sharing, I think just what we've talked about on this call has been really, really critical in identifying the skills that people need, how we develop people, and really keeping people motivated and engaged. So I'd like to say a huge thank you to Rosie and Gia for joining me today for a really interesting and enjoyable discussion. For more on our thought leadership, you can visit our Trends and Insight Hub on our corporate website at jll.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.